0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reeve podcast. This is the second part in a three-part series of interviews with Poppy Lister. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the episode. When I was doing my research on you, I found, and also, well, I just want to say as well, thank you so much for sending all this information in, by the way. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't have obviously found all of this without your help, so I sincerely appreciate it. I do my best whenever I'm doing my research to to make sure I'm thorough, but I am only ever going on what I can find about that person online. And then obviously trying to figure out interesting questions based on that. And then of course also ad-libbing when we're actually having the discussion, but yeah, um, yeah you know, it's just part of the process, but yeah. So you have quite a lot of health conditions that you're dealing with and it just, it kind of stuns me Um you know, it's, it's, bewildering. it's it's amazing. Okay. Let me, let me just frame this properly. It's amazing <laughs> because, you know, you're dealing with all these different things and persevering and, and still, you know, pushing and, and, and doing the things that you love as far as like music and writing and everything. And at the same time, it's like your, your poor soul, like having to deal with all <laughs> these different things. Do you know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. Like everyone in life has things to contend with things that they're having to deal with and such. But, Health conditions are always that little bit more difficult, do you know what I mean? Because it's it's something that physically and mentally takes a lot out of you. And yeah. it's it's normally constant, or a thing that even if you do overcome it, you often always have to, you know, do things to, to keep in line with it, do you know what I mean? Um to keep up to date with it. Like for example, uh you, you have Tourette's Tourette's syndrome mm-hmm. and As far as I understand with Tourette's, now it varies for different people. It's kind of, if I understand this correctly, it's a little bit like a spectrum in the sense that like, you know, you've got people that have got like really severe Tourette's where they almost can't control it at all and they do their very best, but it's almost unmanageable to people that just have light tics and things. And then obviously everything in the middle. And I'm not going to profess profess to be an expert on this. I'm just saying what I know about about this syndrome um it is possible to I don't want to say cure it but to let's say manage it in which yeah. you're able to live a normal life um but not that many people are necessarily able to do so so it's it's one of those things um but you know no one cares what I have to say because you're the person who actually has Tourette syndrome so what can you tell us about your experience of Tourette syndrome
1: So um, as you say it's something that's very different for everyone that has it and you know there are different types of these you know tics that people do have and um, I first kind of became aware that I had tics when I was about maybe five years old and I had these you know involuntary head movements and I didn't think anything of the time but then my parents they didn't assume anything they were just like oh well, that's just one of poppy's little quirks or whatever um so that kind of continued for a long time and you know i got more sort of ticks as well so i had like this blinking tick which i still have all the time at the moment and that's one that i i just can't control and i just have these like and it's not that noticeable but it's these like blinks that are either like really aggressive or they just last a really (laughs) long time um So it's kind of, it's been something I've had for a long, long period of time. And then, you know, as I kind of went through like my teenage years, it got worse and I had more different types of things. So things became verbal and I had these like clicking ticks and it was before it wasn't really like, it was just the odd word. And then all of a sudden I was having these like short phrases and it was all just kind of, it was almost nothing and then it just kept building and building until it was quite a lot all the time luckily it's not all the time anymore um but I do get them most days and some of them are really weird and completely unrelated to anything that's going on um and other ones I could be watching something or hear something and I'll just like repeat whatever I've heard or seen um and you know I've kind of got quite good at suppressing them uh, in a sense, but if I suppress them, then they it kind of hurts and then they come out a lot later on afterwards. So uh, there's not really much point in, you know, trying to suppress them or hold them in because it's gonna come out anyway. It's like trying to hold in a sneeze, you know, if you really, really try, you can kind of do it, but then like, it just, it comes out anyway, you know?
0: When you feel it beginning to come, up inside you so to speak is it like I guess I'm almost kind of repeating what you're saying but like the one thing I've always kind of wondered about is like is it like a, a severe compulsion to do so like I need to do this I need to get this out of me or is it does it just kind of like come out or like you can feel it but you, you're trying to like stop it if that makes sense do, do you know what, I, what
1: I'm trying yeah. to say? So. It's difficult because
0: you don't know what's
1: going to happen. Like you can feel a tick like coming on, but you could, you have no idea what you're going to say or do. And um, I, I had this recently. So I went to a restaurant and um, I, I'd been a bit ticky that day, you know, but I didn't yeah. think much of it. And, you know, for the last hour I've been fine. And then this um, waiter comes over and he brings over our drinks and then he takes our order and everything's going well. And uh, he picks up the menu, and I'm like, oh, I can feel it. And then I just get like both my hands, finger guns, go pew pew. And i, I like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh no. What, t- towards way- him like that. Like- yeah, way- <laughs> <laughs> so he turns around very confused and just does it back. And then walks That's off awesome. With-
0: <laughs> what a legend. What a um, legend.
1: <laughs> so, you know, it's stuff like that, it happens a lot. Um. yeah it, it's a strange one because you know I'd always had these involuntary movements and I'd never thought much of it you know it'd never really been that much looked into until it became verbal and by that point it was just like it was just picking up there was all sorts that was you know starting to happen but it's one of those things that you never fully get used to it and you're never going to be comfortable with it because you don't know what you're going to say or do and that brings a lot of like anxiety when you're going out because you know you could offend someone or you could do something you know just wrong at the wrong time It, it could be little things
0: but are people generally accepting I mean obviously it's it's a it's a real condition it's there's been entire documentaries made about it like surely Like, what's the general kind of mm, reception that you receive when you say, because presumably it happens, someone gets upset and you say, I'm sorry, I have Tourette's syndrome. And then what do they, do they question you? Do they believe you? What's the general reception you receive in regards to this?
1: I think that in the last, particularly in the last year or two, um, you know, people are way more accepting and understanding of what it is. Whereas like even just a couple of years ago, like it wasn't, you know, something that you saw very often. And, you know, with the, with the rise of social media and everything, like
0: people Mm.
1: talking about these kind of things and, you know, it, it shows, I mean, there are some big creators on TikTok that have Tourette's and they show what their Tourette's is and what it means. And, you know, that, that's, Created so much more awareness for it, and people understand what it is and that it's not controllable.
0: With regards to those people online, because and this is not just true of, of Tourette's, but there are a lot of people out there that have, uh, let's say, mental health conditions, conditions, and and people that have Tourette's that I don't want to say fake it per se, but they play up to it. So obviously, if you're recording a video, you want to show people how it is like and you're gonna mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure many of them out there are genuine and they just capture maybe they just leave their phone recording and they capture something as it happens and then there are people that maybe create that even though it's not real like what, what do you kind of make of i don't want to say that like the community per se but like people these creators that are uh documenting this like what, what was your general opinion on that
1: I think that, you know, obviously I'm never going to accuse anyone of pretending to have mm. Tourette's, because, you know, it's different in everyone. Some people, it is very, you know, over the top and pronounced. And I, you can't say, well, you don't have it, because, you know, you no one's an you know, expert. They can't tell.
0: I should add to this as well. I didn't mean that they don't have Tourette's. What I'm saying is that yeah. they are playing up to the camera. So, like, some of them in the community maybe uh, they're trying to kind of create a situation that will be good for a video
1: mm-hmm. you know yeah I mean I I think that it's it's not right that people do that and they're obviously like you know playing it up for you know the follows and the views and stuff but anything that they do and they put out there is just raising awareness for it so you know there's there's Mm -hmm. good points and bad points to it like there is with anything um and you know even though some people might be playing up to it it's actually made things easier for me in explaining what Tourette's is for me because people will understand because they've seen it or a version of it
0: so would you say then that those videos and those creators overall uh, present give a positive representation of Tourette's Tourette's syndrome or a negative one?
1: I don't think that they're always positive, but I think that it kind of shows people that actually it is okay to laugh along with it because that's how I feel comfortable with it. You know, if everyone goes silent and awkward when I've like ticked something, then I feel really silent and awkward. But if everyone laughs along with it, then, you know, I can laugh as well. And I, feel better about it so I think that you know even though some of it is played up to the cameras and it is like really really funny or whatever and they're amusing videos actually it kind of shows people that it's okay to Mm. laugh about it you don't have to feel awkward and you don't have to go silent every time something happens
0: that's a really awesome take on that yeah fair enough yeah awesome um one final question for that particular condition um what advice could you give to other people that are suffering from Tourette syndrome uh, maybe, maybe people that have just been diagnosed with it and are struggling a little bit of, what, what advice could you give from your personal experiences
1: honestly just stop worrying what everyone thinks it's not something you can help and that person that's like walking past on the street and giving you a funny look you're never going to see them again you know it, it's just about knowing you know, what you're going through and understanding that, you know, other people, they might not understand, but you can't help it. And it's part of you. It's what happens to you. You you can't do anything to stop it. So you just have to learn to accept it and stop caring about what everyone thinks.
0: And just good overall life advice, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, you suffer from, no, okay. I, I should add as well. I deliberately didn't look into these too much because i wanted to just kind of have you tell it in your own words i did think about it i I did wonder maybe whether or not i should do more research into it uh so you know if i do make a mistake here or you know i don't ask questions that people would have liked to have known i'm sorry we can always have poppy back on the show and she can go in more detail but for now i just wanted to kind of give you a platform to at least just get you tell it in your words basically um, so you, you suffer from fibromyalgia, is that fibromyalgia.
1: right? Yeah.
0: Fibromyalgia?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> fibromyalgia. Okay. Um, what can you tell us about this condition and your experience of it?
1: So it's a, a neurological condition, um, and it causes pain in your joints for absolutely no reason. And, um, you know, mine is probably not as as bad as a lot of people have it. I know some people, they really, really struggle with it. You know, there are days where, you know, you can't, every time you move, it feels like something's like stabbing into your joints. It's really painful. Yeah. Um, but obviously there's not a lot you can do about it because it's a neurological pain condition. Um, so a lot of the time you just have to learn to live with it. And it was difficult for me because... I was quite young when I got diagnosed with it and that was because I was going to the doctors constantly because I was like something is not right I am in a lot of pain they're like where are you in pain everywhere they're like well that's just anxiety pain you're fine what yeah (laughs) oh
0: back back up a second back up a second because I suffer from anxiety but I've never had pain physical pain from anxiety is that a legit thing people get physical pain from anxiety
1: I mean, I guess so, because my doctors constantly put it down to, you know, um, well, at the start, they put it down to growing pains, I think it was. Oh, you're taking a piss. I (laughs) I stopped growing by this point. You know, I stopped growing taller from the age of, like, 12. I just, like, shut up and stayed.
0: Yeah, growing pains (laughs) is something that you get, like, in your early teens when when you sort of make that transition from uh, being a kid to being, you know, a young teenager. Like, that's... That doesn't apply yeah. when you get old. Like, what? That's nonsense. <laughs> I
1: know. And then they said that it was pain caused by anxiety. And I was just there thinking, like, well, I've had anxiety for a long time and I've never had these pains like this before. You know, this is something that has gradually gotten worse. Um, so then eventually they kind of, like, they sent me through to, like, all these different tests and stuff and no one can find anything because there is no physical test for it you can't test for fibromyalgia so then I went to rheumatology and they were like yeah that sounds like fibromyalgia I don't know why they didn't send you to us before because it's literally like textbook it's exactly how we've got it written down so it was it was a bit of a nightmare really getting that diagnosis and um you know that there's There's not a lot that you can do to stop the pain, but there are like certain meds that you can take that kind of help a little bit, but for the most part, it's just getting up and dealing with it, unfortunately.
0: So that's basically how you've just learned to deal with it. You just learned to just take these meds and do your best to work around the pain.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a case of not overdoing it sometimes. Um, You know, if If I know I'm gonna be in pain after doing something, then I'm like, don't plan anything afterwards because otherwise you're just gonna be like pushing yourself through it and then you'll feel really bad afterwards.
0: Yeah, actually, this is a good question um, related to everything that you do. Like, um, so like when you're playing guitar, do you get pain then? Like, yeah. Like quite yeah, a lot.
1: I get really bad pain in my, especially my fingers, really bad and um sometimes it's just it is too much but other times I just think I can power through this because it's it's something that I enjoy doing and even though you know it's hurt my fingers it's something that I like to do and makes me feel good so it's kind of finding the balance between like you know overdoing it and you know because I don't want to give up at all I don't want you know, to stop playing—that's the last thing that I want. So it's finding the right balance between it.
0: Wow. I gotta say, I really admire you. I mean, it just—it's <laughs> amazing to to be able to do that despite being in pain. That shows real kind of strength of character, I think, to keep pushing yourself. Um, just a final couple of questions related to this specific condition. So, uh, how how I mean how does it affect the condition if you're doing things like I don't know like are you are you able to consume let's say like alcohol and if you do does that make a difference to things does it maybe alleviate the pain somewhat or make it worse or is it a no-go for you
1: um I I don't think it really has that much of an effect I don't drink very much Mm -hmm. I'm one that um regularly drinks very much at all and I've never been that kind of Um, you know into that kind of thing Mm -hmm. I don't know it's just one of those things but I I don't find that it makes it worse at all Um, I don't think it makes it better I think that if I have a drink I may not care as much but that's more the alcohol's doing than the actual condition itself
0: yeah I think I mean I'm not a big drinker either to be honest I think that's just different types of people you know it's like I did a lot of drinking when I was younger you grow out of it you find other things that you enjoy far more but um, I guess what I really wanted to know and I gave alcohol as an example is like are there any other like recreational drugs per se things that you can consume things that you can do that affect how you feel uh, good or bad like for instance you kind of pretty much almost ruled out physical activities when you said that kind of you have to plan around it like okay this is probably how much pain I'm likely to be in in this scenario so like let's say like you wanted to do like I don't know yoga or you wanted to go for a hike or something like that um, is that just a no-go you just can't do it or is it like as you said you have to like create a dedicated plan and again just attached to that question if you did want to or yeah let's say you're having a headache or something and you want to just take like paracetamol does that make a difference with your fibro- fibromyalgia or or not
1: um so the first thing is that exercise actually does help like okay. it helps pain the thing is if you overdo it then you will be in more pain so you have to find this right level of like and you have to take breaks as well um you know as much as you might want to just like power through and get everything done, like you, you have to give yourself that time to kind of like just breathe, calm down, realize what kind of situation you're in and not push it too far. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is difficult because, you know, one of the recommended things for fibromyalgia is exercise and I found it to be great. It does help. Um, but obviously if you're in a lot of pain, you might not want to do that. So you have to kind of you have to pick your battle sometimes, um, and like so, so. When it comes to taking paracetamol if I've got a headache, um, I find that it doesn't actually affect my fibromyalgia at all. Um, and I don't know if that's the same for everyone else, um, but it's it doesn't make that much difference to me. I paracetamol ibuprofen it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me.
0: Um, do you have any advice you could give to anyone else that's suffering from fibromyalgia?
1: Um, it's hard. It's going to be difficult and you're going to have days where you don't want to do anything and you're in a lot of pain, but you know, some days are better than others. And if it's a bad day, give yourself that time that you need to
0: recuperate. Great advice. Thank you for sharing. Um, so you suffer from a condition called emotional dysregulation what can you tell us about this condition
1: um so emotional dysregulation it's kind of more of an umbrella term for this um it's massive mood swings and this is connected to other conditions that I do have and it can be so some days you know up here things are great things are wonderful and you know I'm kind of I'm hyperactive I've got all this energy I feel amazing and then other days it will just completely crash and you know I I won't want to move I won't want to get out of bed I won't want to talk to anyone do anything and it's quite difficult because both like sides of this can be really distressing Mm. so you might think that oh you're having a great day you feel really like high and great that must be you know that must be amazing and it's not it's tiring and it's not who you are because you know there's no kind of level point you know it's either up here or down here and both are so exhausting emotionally and physically
0: so when you're having one of those bad days and let's say you've I mean because this is a weird way to put it, but it's obviously a very inconvenient health condition to have if, as far as like when you need to just get stuff done, you know, like, Oh, I need to go to band practice today, but I don't want to leave bed and I'm feeling miserable. Like, how do you work around that? Is there a workaround? Do you just have to write that day off? Like how do you deal with it on those bad days?
1: See, it's difficult because sometimes I can think logically and I'm like, actually I should go out because then I'll be distracting myself from these things that are making me feel down. And you know, that would make sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And then other times I'm completely like not thinking logically at all. And I'm like, well, I feel bad. So I'm going to sit in bed and I'm going to wallow in self pity and I'm going to make myself feel worse. Mm. And that's how I say I cope with it, but it's not a coping mechanism. It's just making it worse. So I think that it really depends on your mindset because sometimes you can be having a really bad day, but be positive about it and think it's just one of those days. And other times it's all you can think about. All you can think about is the bad stuff. So it's difficult. It it really depends on the day.
0: So what do you do when you get into a situation where, you know, you know, it's going to be, like emotions flying all over the place. Like let's say you're with your partner or something and you just have an argument. Like, mm-hmm. is that just an argument and you, you're able to manage that or is it like much more devastating because of this condition? Like, how does that play into things?
1: Um, a lot of the time, so when, I, when I'm thinking logically and I get really upset or angry, I will take myself away from the situation mm down and come back to it later because that's how things work out otherwise you just end up in a big screening match or whatever and then when i'm feeling really down or really angry anyways i will be angry and allow myself to be that angry all the time which sometimes you need to let it out you know you need to let these emotions out but other times you don't realize you're doing more harm than good you know, when you're angry, you say things and do things that you wouldn't normally do. And it's, you can hurt, you can hurt someone's feelings. And that's the last thing I'd want to do in my logical state. But If I'm not feeling that, then I'm just like, well, I'm angry. So I want you to be angry as well. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I get, I get where you're coming from. Um, Is there any advice you could give to people who are suffering from emotional dysregulation?
1: Um, I think that it's difficult to give general advice because it is so different for everyone. But if you are really struggling with it, don't be afraid to reach out and get help from either friends or family or a health professional, because sometimes you can't deal with it on your own, even if you think you can.
0: Thank you. Um, Let's, let's move it forward actually before we go into the rest of the the other two health main health conditions that you deal with I just had a side question um so obviously you have health conditions you have um mental health conditions which we'll we'll get into later but um I just wondered from the kind of yeah you know, I asked you a little bit about people's perceptions and and how people act when, you know, for instance, with your Tourette's, but like when it comes to institutions, like getting a job, something like that, what's the kind of general treatment that you receive? Is it positive? Is it negative? And, and why, like, what, what is your experience of like generally how companies are? Cause especially in this day and age, they often profess to be, you know, equal opportunities. You know, we don't discriminate. If you have mental health conditions, blah, 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 blah. But there are many cynics myself included that look at that and go, if you declare something like that, they'll use it against you potentially. So what is your actual experience of that? Can you clarify on that anymore?
1: I have had a very mixed experience. I have worked for companies that have been nothing but supportive and amazing. And I have also, so I had a job working in a bar and that mm-hmm. was already high stress. And I was not in the best state of mind when that was happening. Um, and I had a couple of days where I couldn't go in because it is such a social job. yeah. And if you're feeling really like, you know, in a certain way, it's going to be so difficult to do your job right. And to, you know, work with customers, especially. And uh, this job I've been in for a little while and I'd had one sick day before because I had heat stroke. Oh, wow. And so this was like a couple months later and I was like, I can't go in today because it's just not going to work out for me today. I know it's not. And uh, I called up and they were like, this is becoming quite the habit and I was like excuse me and they have really played on my mental health they were like you never come into work ready for work you need to leave all that stuff at the door when you come in and I was so they
0: know that you have mental health conditions and they're saying this to you yeah
1: yeah um and they also knew that I had another condition which is which causes me to occasionally pass out and um I had I always had to tell them on days where I had passed out or felt like I might do because you know safety reasons they need to make sure that if I do pass out that they know what it is and that I'm not you know in danger or anything and I think I told them I felt like that maybe three or four times and they're like and you always come to us and say something's wrong and uh, they kind of they started to really they got very personal and you know, these, these were things that they told me to do. They told me to tell them these things. And then all of a sudden they were using it against me. Mm. Um, then they were like, we're going to reduce your hours. And if you want to find work somewhere else, we'll write you a reference. At which point I was like, all right, write me a reference. I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm not having this. I'm not being talked to like this just because I've called in sick once. And, um, yeah, it was just not good.
0: <laughs> In a way, I'm kind of surprised that you didn't think of taking legal action. I mean, that's that's unheard of. I mean,
1: I mean, thinking back, way. thinking back, I probably should have because they still owe me money. They did, they didn't pay me for my last two weeks, um, and they blocked me on everything. Um, and oh, all of this was done over Facebook Messenger as well. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, So my manager blocked me, deleted me, removed me from all the group chats, um, and that was that, really. And how, I just how,
0: how old were you at the time?
1: I was eighteen.
0: Unbelievable. Well, I mean, clearly it just wasn't a decent place to work. But I mean, I I, I kind of knew when I asked that question that you were going to give an example of that, because that is the reality. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the same as like, if you're working for a major company and you express, Oh, Hey, I'm suffering from mental health conditions, blah, blah, blah. They will use against you. As soon as you fall in their bad books, they'll find a way. Obviously they can't fire you on the basis of mental health conditions. And for instance, your employer, I mean, they still acted in a very, dodgy way legally, do you know what I mean? With that. I mean that's obviously still unacceptable. Um but they didn't kind of come out right and say the problem is because of your condition. Do you know what I mean? Because if they had, you got it in writing, you got them. They've they've tried to kind of swing it in a way where it's like they're the victim almost, which is I mean morally is just unjust obviously it's just disgusting but from a business standpoint it, you just have no legs to stand on because it's like and presumably what well, yeah no when you applied for the job you had to declare all of this stuff anyway do you know yeah. what I mean so if they weren't happy with it they could have just not given you a job which is bs but hey do you know what I mean that's that's why we have that declare thing in the first place do you know what I mean it's to kind of say if you're taking me on, you're taking me on under the understanding that there might be issues sometimes and you need to be considerate and, and, and help you with this, you know. So if they're not able to do that, then they sh- just shouldn't employ people with, with mental health conditions, which is awful. And I think that no company should act that way, but so many of them have that kind of mindset and it's, it's yeah. disgusting. It's, it really is. But um, anyway, moving on um so you were born with a small growth on your brain which has caused a condition known as focal cortical dysplasia. I got that right?
1: Yeah, focal cortical dysplasia. So it is it's where um so cell, like a group of cells haven't um fused properly and it's just like a little a little lump on the brain um completely benign and everything. But um, it's due to the placement that has caused me the problems that it has.
0: Okay. And, and what kind of uh, problems have you suffered as a result of that? Like, well, what exactly is the issue with this particular condition?
1: So um, where it's placed is on my frontal lobe. And ah. it's in the place that has, you know, your emotions, basically, you know, and that is all there and it. It kind of gets a bit jumbled sometimes. And um, it was all a bit strange because I I initially went to the doctors because I had been experiencing some hallucinations. And I as, was. As no, a result of
0: this particular condition?
1: Yeah, but I didn't know I had this condition. So I was, I had oh, wow. no idea what was happening. And um, they an MRI as they do for anyone that's having hallucinations just to be sure and that was when they were like there is something there and that was what was causing it um luckily like I'm medicated now um, with stuff that stops these hallucinations from happening so I'm, I'm quite thankful for that um, but the emotional thing is still very much there.
0: What kind of medication do you take for that?
1: Uh so I take um antipsychotics for it, which is um mainly used for like mental health medication and um mood stabilizing, but um it's one that has actually helped with these hallucinations, which you know has been working for a long time now.
0: Excellent, excellent. And uh I mean I yeah, I've asked it asked you this question with the other ones. I'm not so sure if it will apply, but um is there any advice you could give to other people that are suffering with this or have just discovered it is there anything else maybe that you do that helps with this or is it just take the drugs and then hope for the best
1: it's not as scary as it sounds you know the minute that you hear oh you've got a growth on your brain you're like what excuse me um it's not as bad as it sounds it's likely something you were born with or developed when you were younger and there are ways to manage the different things that it causes, and definitely go see a neurologist just in case, because it can cause epilepsy as well. And, you know, you just need to be aware of these things and make sure that you're getting the, the help and support that you need.
0: Excellent, thank you. Um, so you also suffer from BPD, also known as EBPD which stands for borderline personality disorder or emerging borderline personality disorder. So what can you tell us about this particular condition and your experiences of it?
1: Um, I think that it it very much um, ties into the emotional dysregulation there. So um, I have these um, moods that are either very up here or very down here and in between, there's not a lot. And, you know, I've had this condition for quite a long time. And I I think that, although I don't think everything needs a diagnosis on it to, for it to be real, I think that it helped me a lot with understanding, you know, the problems that I'd had with my relationships with people had always been very difficult, you know, friends, family, like, like relationships, they're all very difficult to maintain. And I kind of got myself into this, stage of self-sabotaging everything um Mm. and you know I, I asked myself why did I do that quite a lot and I have no idea I've got no answer for it you know it was just something that I did all the time um so I think that it was something that is very difficult um and a lot of people suffer from it um and it takes a long time to kind of get yourself into a place where you can manage it to have you know a, a normal day-to-day life and normal relationships with people
0: so um I have a rough idea of what it is but um could you mm-hmm. just explain like what, what are the symptoms of what exactly are you sort of contending with um
1: so there's lots of different symptoms and everyone experiences it completely differently um but the the mood swings and anger and there is this massive thing for self-sabotage and whether that's sabotaging your relationships with people or whether that's you know quitting everything that you try or you know there's a lot of things and there's also you know self-harm and lots of people that experience BPD go through suicidal ideation and some attempt it as well and it's really sad Um, because it's one of these things that it just it just happens and sometimes you can't you can't control those thoughts those feelings or those actions Um, and a lot of people you know they don't know what it is that's causing them Um, so it it is a difficult one but it's one that is kind of coming more to light now and more people are talking about it more people are aware of it and it's actually a lot more common than people think it is
0: And uh, what do you do to manage it and uh, sort of keep it under control?
1: So I have had many, many years of different types of therapies trying to figure out what it is that works for me. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've gone through like CBT and DBT and these ones, especially CBT actually has worked for me really well, um, which is kind of changing how you think about things. So, um the easiest way to describe it is you have something that happens and then you change you look at how your beliefs about it you know Mm. what you think and then the emotions because of those thoughts and it's learning to change those and, and then eventually automatically you just start thinking with a more kind of positive outlook on these things and that was something that helped me a lot
0: and uh cbt that's a cognitive behavioral therapy so that's the one where i go back to my a-level psychology days here but (laughs) that's the one where you sit down with like a counselor and work through these problems as you said like you you work to try to to change your perception of something change your understanding of something is that correct
1: yeah exactly Um, but it's not something that you always need a a therapist for because after a while you can start to do it from home Mm -hmm. and there's all sorts of different ways you can go about it and you know it it doesn't work for everyone you know not everyone is is able to um, do that but they're able to do other things that that help Um, so it's one of those ones that you kind of have to test out a lot of different ways of doing things before you find out what works for you
0: and what was the other one that you you mentioned that you've you've had as well?
1: So it's called DBT. So what's that? Uh, I can't remember what it stands for. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but after a while, all these words and you know they just become letters. Um, but I did it as a as a group of people, and it was it was quite similar. But it's targeted towards people with borderline personality disorder and similar disorders. Um, and it's more about changing it's a, it, a lot of it is about changing your lifestyle and your way of thinking and it, it's something that takes a long time like mm. these aren't quick fixes these are things you really have to work at and um, you know it, it took me a good few years before I was able to actually use CBT in my you know everyday life So it's one of those things you really, really have to stick with.
0: Excellent. Uh, Thank you very much for sharing. I appreciate it. That's all my questions for the uh, health conditions side of things. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for listening to this second part of a three-part interview with Poppy Lister. And until next time, peace out, one love. I'll see you in the next one.